Luke chapter 10, verse 38. At the home of Martha and Mary. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. It's good to be with you. Um, yeah, it's probably been a good year since I preached, so we'll see how rusty I've become. <laughs> so we'll um, spend a little bit of time in Luke and the story of Mary Martha, which probably is fairly, at least for those of us who've been in church for a while, it's a story that we've come across a few times. Um, just before I kick in, what sort of emotions does that, or thoughts does that story stir up when you hear it about Mary and Martha? Any, anything? What's your sort of gut response when you hear that story? The washing up's got to be done. Yeah. Yes. So you've done the washing up. Yeah. Excellent. Maybe you should just kind of give a summary of that, and then I'll just sit down. Okay, good to know. Anyone else? So hard, that wrestling with, well, there's stuff got to be done, but yet there seems to be this call to something else. How do we reconcile that? Yeah, anything else? Well, it's, it is an interesting story. I'd, the first word that kind of came to me as I was looking to it, that stood out to me, was this word distraction. Um, distraction. So the definition of distraction, I guess, would be something that takes our attention away from something we want to be focused on, uh, or at least feel like we need to be focused on. Uh, I tend to, I've had to put a, an app on my phone and my computer called Freedom, which blocks uh, all access to news sites and uh, sort of social media because uh, I tend to be easily distracted from what I should be doing when I'm sitting at home. You know, I hit an email or something that um, I find difficult, and then Twitter is just over here luring me in about what's going on in the world, and it's much more interesting. So I don't want to do that, actually. Ultimately, I'd rather do my job and bless the people I'm meant to bless rather than looking at what some guys in other part of the world think of what's happening in Ukraine, which has probably just as little information about as I do. So I need something that stops me from distraction. So distraction being, I want to do something, but something leads my attention away. I'm over here now. And I think it was really helpful for me to capture that because it helped me sort of see Martha in a slightly different light. I feel like often Martha is maybe portrayed, or even as I've read it myself, as someone who is just kind of task-orientated. But actually, when it says it's distracted, it suggests that she wanted also to be with Jesus. She had an equal desire to be with Jesus as Mary. It wasn't that she wasn't interested in that. She, she wanted to be with Jesus, 
but found herself distracted. She found herself having her eyes and attention in a different direction. She had suddenly received a, a whole bunch of people into her home, and it's her home, it says. And that was another thing that I saw for the first time, that Martha opened her home. This is, she's actually the head of the household. Um, and it's an interesting, I don't know quite what's going on in this family. Uh, she, Mary, and Lazarus, none of them are married. They all just sort of hang out together as a, as a family unit, uh, which is a little unusual. Um, often you would probably find a male to be the head of the household, but this is her home, and she's still housing her siblings that are also unmarried. They're all living in this house. So it's her home. It's her that's the hostess. And we don't know how many people. It just says that as Jesus and his disciples were walking along, we know that more than 12 there was his inner group of 12, but it could be in a, a bigger crowd. But at least 13 guys have showed up to her house that she's now feeling a need to feed, possibly more, depending on how many other of the sort of wider group of disciples have descended on her home. So she is distracted, it says, by all the things that had to be done. That disciple over there, he looks like he can really eat a lot. Do I actually have enough bread? You know, what order? You know, do we have enough milk? Do we have enough wine? Whatever it is we may need to serve. And if I fail to care well for them, how will I be perceived? How will our family be perceived? What will be the talk in the town about my ability or inability to care well for people? Since I'm in a culture where hospitality is a huge value, we would find it easier if someone showed up at our home to say, ah, this isn't really a good time. In this culture, less so. So she has all these things. She was fully intended to be focused on Jesus, but now these things, this disciple looks like he eats a lot. Do I have enough bread? Do I have enough? And before she knows it, her attention is now over here. Jesus is here, but her mind is over here. And it slowly builds up for her, Maybe she was initially open and happy to serve, but she can suddenly start feeling she's getting more and more annoyed and frustrated. Maybe capturing a little bit of what you expressed, Helen, like, is it not obvious that this disciple looks like he's going to eat a lot? We still need to sort out the bread, the wine, all the rest. So she's getting more and more angry. Um, she's getting angry with Mary, and she's getting angry with Jesus. Because when she finally approaches Jesus, it's not only, don't you care that Mary isn't helping me? So it's a problem that Mary isn't helping her, but it's actually a, just as big, if not a bigger problem, that Jesus isn't stepping in and doing something about it. How is he allowing this injustice to take place? How is he allowing her somewhat lazy sister to just sit there? Actually, it's not just her sister that's a problem, it's Jesus as well, because Jesus is allowing something that isn't right to take place. He should be saying to her, Hey, Mary, your, your sister's busy. She's tired. You need to help her. But he's not. He's just allowing this thing to take place. So she's upset with him. She's upset with Mary. As she gets distracted, she then gets, as Jesus calls it, worried and upset. The two things follow. I get distracted from Jesus, and then I get worried and upset. The two, as her eyes depart from Jesus and onto all the things that need to be done, she feels this anger towards other people, towards God, for not allowing what's right to take place. And I don't know if that's a, a feeling you can at all recognize in your own life or your own experience. 
You, you set out with all the intentions, good intentions. You had a desire to sit with Jesus or to be focused on him. Because I don't think it's just about, I wanted to sit down and have a quiet time, and then the milkman came or something, and now I'm distracted. I think it's like, I have a desire to be focused on Jesus as I go through life. But actually, as I'm finding all these other concerns and questions, I was focused here, but now we over here. And, I mean, we touched on it briefly as we introduced that, but I think that's been part of our experience of going and, and moving to Denmark. Because there's been so many things, I, I sat in a, I was on a, a, I took sort of a retreat day about a month ago, and um, I passed this church in an area of the island we live on that I don't, I don't really know much about. But I had a sense I should, I stopped sort of 100 yards down from the church, and then this thought came to mind that um, I should check out, in Denmark they have this thing called road churches, which is basically a church that's just open, there's no one in there. It would basically be like St. Margaret's, your door is just open throughout the day, there's no one in here, and people can just wander in and sit down if they want to. Um, I think we probably think over oh, yeah, here, people are just going to nick all our stuff, and maybe it's just in Denmark, there's nothing in there to nick, or I don't know, or maybe they just trust people or something, but it's just open, you can just go in, and that came to mind, this kind of road church. So I, I looked online, and it turned out that the only church in that whole area of the island I was on that was that type of church was the one I just passed 100 yards earlier. So it felt like a real invitation from the Lord to just come and sit with him in this church. So I came in, and I kind of just sort of exhaled. And that exhale was sort of the first time, I think, I was in touch with just how sort of bone-weary and tired I was after these, because it was... It's COVID, it was homeschooling the kids while taking on a new job, then going to Denmark to test out, are we going? Then there was the whole process of discerning, should we move, should we not move? Then decided we should try and move, then try and raise the funds, trying to say goodbye to people while we were still in the midst of lockdown and homeschooling, and then landing in Denmark, trying to get your kids settled in school, figuring out what church we were part of, figuring out all these things. And just, I hadn't really been in touch with just how it completely exhausted I was. And actually, also therefore why, I had actually done a lot of prayer walks. I had done a lot of the things you're supposed to be doing. Um, but I had, there had been no connection with the Lord at all. Well, that's putting it strongly. But I, at least in a felt way, I had become distracted and worried about many things. And not able to just sit with the Lord because I was so busy with all these things. So it happens, it happens to all of us. And again, the, the frustrations then creep in. Like I've, I've, we've hit this thing in Denmark where, uh, I was just saying to Pippa, in our line of work, we sometimes talk about creative access countries. It's countries where you can't get a, a missions worker in, they can't just rock up at the border and say, hi, I would like to into your country to talk to people about Jesus. Can I get a visa, please? It's like one way. The only way you get in is if you have some other way of presenting yourself to get into the country. I'm finding that my own country is one of those. We can't actually get people in the normal route, and we have to figure out some way of people coming as students and then possibly finding work afterwards. But even that is quite difficult because Danes are not particularly open to foreigners. So... Um, 
So I'm sort of sensing also then the frustration and the anger of like, wait, so I've moved, like my, I've moved my family from here to there. I'm seeing kind of the pain they're all going through. And now I'm in a country and I can't even see how, how is this going to work? Is, is there even a point to this? And then there's anger at this person, anger at that person, there's anger at God for, you know, why are we in this mess? Worried and upset about many things. Your temptations for distraction may be different. Um, but I think probably most of us can acknowledge that at one level we had all the intentions of, we were going to, we want to build the kingdom of God, and actually, but then my focus ends up over here rather than on the one that we actually want to proclaim. So that's kind of where we are, you know. Um, Jamie said, just sort of weave in your update of where you're at. That's, that's it. <laughs> um, so then you immediately go, well, was it a mistake? Should you have done something else? What can we do differently? Similarly, you, you're faced with this thing that Martha probably is wondering, which is, the dishes still have to be done. There's still 13 strange men in my house that want feeding. What am I supposed to be doing with that? I still have to help my family settle into Denmark. We still have to figure out what local ministry looked like. All these things are still there. So what's the answer? <laughs> and Jesus is basically just not very helpful at one level. It just says, uh, Mary has chosen what's better, so that won't be taken from her. And the story ends there. We, we don't get to hear Martha then pushing back and saying, well, we still have 13 men that need to be fed, or you know, we still need to milk that goat, or whatever needs to happen. We don't get to her to respond to that, and then Jesus says, ah, well, yes, I see there's still a lot that needs to be done, but here's the better way for you to look at it. It just ends there, and you're just stuck with, I have all these things that's in my life that still seem to be crying out for action or, or need. People in my life I need to take care of, work responsibilities, family responsibilities, church responsibilities. They, they haven't just disappeared. But all you're saying is, Mary has chosen what's better and that won't be taken from her. And that's the end of the story. So how is that helping us? How is that helping me? How is that helping Kim and I as we try to navigate that in Denmark? How is that helping you as you seek to navigate the things that might distract you away from looking at him. The only thing that makes sense to me of this is Jesus saying only one thing is needed, or depending on the translation, he says like only few things are needed, perhaps only one. Some translations say only one thing is needed. That's actually a really crazy statement to make because we are living it in our lives, we're living busy lives, we're living with all these responsibilities, and he's saying only one thing is needed, as if all the other things don't matter. So are we all just sort of meant to go into a monastery? Are we all just sort of meant to drop everything and just sort of sit at his feet, whatever that looks like when we don't have the, the physical Jesus in front of us? Is it simply just going to a, a room and just ignoring chaos? The kids are outside wanting feeding, but only one thing is needed, so I will be here. 
you, you hear them kind of tearing stuff apart, but only one thing is needed. Hope it works out for your children. There's some cereal in the cupboard. Or whatever you, wherever you find yourself in, whatever it is you're wrestling with, only one thing is needed. I don't think so. The interesting thing is, in, um, in John 11, Jesus is back, and his disciples are back at the house again. Um, this is after he's raised Lazarus from the dead. And it actually says again, Martha served. So she's, she's still serving. And what does Mary do? She runs up with this huge, expensive jar of perfume and bursts it open and basically prepares Jesus for his burial. And people get upset again. This time it's disciples saying, what a waste. All this money for all this perfume. We could have used it and sold it and done something for the poor. Again, Mary seemed to play this role of kind of messing with our practicalities. Everyone knows that it's good to be wise about how you use your money. And she's just, as before, everyone knows it's good to be wise about how you spend your time and you're practically, you're thinking practically through what's needed in the day. She, she, she breaks another barrier here. This time it's like she bursts open this idea of how do we spend our money lavishly pouring out all this money onto one person in one time. It's all gone. Because once you break that jar, it's, it's gone. So one thing is needed. Only one. How, does that, how do we make sense of that? The only thing I can make sense of that is the character of the person that Mary is looking at. The person who is actually present in their home. Um, so I just chose... The, you know, the, the passage that was, the, um, uh, that was due for this Sunday. And one of the other passages in the lectionary was Colossians um, chapter 1 and verses 15 and onwards. It's titled, The Supremacy of the Son of God. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. The one who sits in their front room is the source of all life. Literally, everything has come out of him, everything is held together by him, everything around us is held, come from him and is hold, held together by him. The source of all life, the sustainer of our life. Literally, life is just pumping, sitting in their front room. Everything they need, everything they've ever hoped for, everything they feel they need is emanating out of this one person that's now sitting in their front room. The only reason it makes sense for Jesus 
to say only one thing is needed is because of who he is. If he was just another slightly interesting guy who came along and had a tag of mates with him, it, it would make no sense unless he was highly deluded to say the only thing that's needed right now is for you to listen here, to be focused on me. But if he is the source of life, the, the one that all life comes from, the one that all life depends on, maybe if we see that, if our eyes are open to that, it changes our perspectives too. And I think that's why we're, not, we're left with this super annoying ending to this. Because we don't know what impact it might have for Martha if her eyes again are open to who's sitting in her front room. It could be that being that close to the source of life and knowing that she is loved and embraced by the source of life gives her freedom to go, if people are disappointed, they're disappointed. I'm sitting down too. Guys, there's some bread in the back. Help yourself. Something that would actually be wildly uh, counter to the culture, something that might get people talking, but because her eyes are open to who's sitting in her front room, she doesn't care anymore. It could be that. It could be that she expresses to Jesus, Jesus, I would love to, to sit here. I, what should I do with all these people? She is talking to a guy who turned water into wine, who uh, fed 5,000 with a couple of fish, some loaves. Who knows what he could have done? It struck me also, I mean, now she's kind of stuck with it because they're in her home. Um, but it says that Martha opened her home to Jesus and his disciples. Sometimes in the Gospels, like in Zacchaeus, in the, the, the small man sitting up in the tree that we've heard of, Jesus walks up to the tree and he says, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house today. So Zacchaeus, and that's a huge honor because no one wants to eat with Zacchaeus, that's great. So, but Zacchaeus is also at that point in time, he kind of has to, he has to do it because Jesus says, I'm coming to your house today and my mates are coming with me. Uh, so it's kind of one of those that he's very much invited himself into his home. It struck me that maybe Martha didn't even need to have invited Jesus. Maybe he could just have gone down to the house further down the road and she could just have sat there. So sometimes when we see the, the awesome majesty of Jesus, some of the things we feel we ought to do or should do, maybe we, maybe we don't have to do it. Maybe he could just have passed to the next house on and she could have sat and chilled and someone, it was someone else's responsibility to make sure there was bread. Again, at this point, he's, he's already there. They're already sitting in her house. But I think the point is we, we want to know exactly the question that Helen asked. What about the dirty dishes? What about my kid that is going off in this direction? And unless I pour everything in, I don't know what will happen to this child. What about my elderly relative that I have to take care of? What about a pressure job? What about St. Margaret's that for the time I've been around, it's always like 
spinning and hoping that none of the plates fall down. What about it? What about it, Jesus? You, all, one thing is needed. If I don't do this, this, or this, what will happen? The fact is, I can't answer that question for you. But I think what we're getting a sense from here is if our eyes are open to who the Lord is, his majesty, that he is the source of life and that he is far more powerful than we can ever imagine, but also that our identity and everything about us that's most important is rooted in him, maybe we are able to see those things differently. Maybe we are free to do some things that we have felt uncomfortable doing. Maybe we are free to not do some things that we feel absolutely bound to do. If I don't do this, things will collapse. If I don't take responsibility for this, the whole thing will fall apart. It struck me, even just looking out this morning, you realize there's more people here than before we left. Maybe that was a good thing. I'm just saying, we can, each of us again can kind of think, I am somewhat indispensable in the way that Martha May also felt herself indispensable here. If I don't take responsibility for this, people will starve, it's going to be a mess, it's going to be embarrassing, but maybe not. We don't know what would have happened if she sat down with Jesus. Again, it's left open. Because so, so much of the time, seeing who God is and then trusting to step into that, will you take care of this if I let go, requires a huge amount of faith. It may feel like death. It may feel deeply irresponsible. It may feel like, if I do this, what will other people think of me? What will they say about me? All of these things. So, back to our situation in Denmark now. We've taken our family off. The temptation now to just get busy doing something so that I have something to show. Right, well, there's this local church. Maybe I could start a program doing this, or maybe we could do this thing, because what, what if I have to come back in another year or two years, and maybe it's still the same? How embarrassing. People are going, to go, what are these guys about? Going over there, supporting them, but what are they doing? So the temptation to be led by what will other people think of me, or to be bluntly, totally honest, what, how do I feel about myself, my own sense of identity, who am I? The temptation to then just start doing things, getting busy, and then getting frustrated that other people aren't on board with it. Hey, let's start this project, because I really need this project to get going for my own stuff. Hey, you Adam, you, you look capable, wouldn't you like to join me? Well, it's not really my, my thing. And then I get started getting angry and upset. Why isn't he helping? This is a great thing for the kingdom. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones, powers, or rulers, or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. That's it. Only one thing is needed. He's not actually mad. He's actually stating what is true. But so often, the focus shifts, and now these things look huge. 
It's like Peter and the waves, right? He, he, his eyes are on Jesus, then he steps out of the boat, and, and now he's looking at the waves, and everything looks crazy. How do we spend our time in such a way that our eyes can be on him? We, when I, it's almost like a light on the dashboard now for me in small ways. When I start getting upset and angry about this thing or that thing about our context in Denmark, it's really just a light on the dashboard that tells me I've lost, I've, I've gotten distracted again. Because when I actually see who he is in his majesty, these things, I see them in a different light. Maybe they still need to be done, but maybe they need to be done in a way that's far less stress-filled. Stress or maybe they just need to go. I'm looking at, we're living in this neighborhood, or close to this neighborhood where there's a church. Uh, it's like a, a national Danish church. And they, they're surrounded by Muslims, and they're doing nothing cross-culturally. In fact, at, at, um, at uh, Pentecost, they have this tradition that they have the church service, and then they eat food together. But it's like a, it's like a food truck, uh, that, a special Danish food truck that just serves pork sausages. And it's kind of parked right outside the church on the kind of the main square in this Muslim area. And you think, like, <laughs> I'm trying to think of a worse way to kind of communicate. We are interested in you, and we care about you, and we have some understanding of who you are than parking like a, a pork sausage food truck just in this Muslim area. Like, ah, welcome to church. So, so much of me go, got to sort this out. This isn't right. Kingdom of God. God's reputation, all these things kick in. But is it what he's asking? Is it actually what God is saying? Yeah, I really need you. Or maybe he's like, I got it. I was here before you arrived a year ago. I'll, I'll be here after you leave. It's okay. But that only makes sense if I have my eyes on him, who he is, his heart for people that's far bigger than me. Again, that he is the source of all life and it's him that holds all things together. So again, I don't know where that sits and hits you today. But I think it's, it's fair to say that when we experience what Jesus pointed out to Martha, you're worried and upset about many things. It tends to be a light on the dashboard that says we've lost, we've gone distracted. Because actually when we see who he is, it doesn't answer all our questions. It doesn't solve all our problems. The men still need to be fed. The house is still a tip, perhaps. But the way we see it, the way we see that situation, is likely to be different. We might still have to walk through incredible hardship. But again, we experience it and we see it in a different way if we are not distracted. So I guess my, my invitation to all of us is to, to pay attention. When am I worried and upset about many things? And might it be just, again, a light on the dashboard that says, I've, I've become distracted. Let me remind myself again of who he is and his heart for people, his heart for me, his heart for his creation. So, Father, we, we thank you for your presence in our lives. Thank you that you are the author of life, the sustainer of life, the one who 
holds all things together. The one that looks at the situations we find ourselves in, the ones that to us cry out for action or just make us feel overwhelmed, help us to give those back to you today. All those things that are pressing in on our hearts and our minds. Lord, our desire is to to know you. It is to sit at your feet, even as we go through our day. But we know we are so easily distracted. Help us to pay attention, Lord. To live in this promise to us that only one thing is needed. It's a gift that you want to give us. It is a call to say, come and rest. To lay down your burdens. To be set free from the worries that we have. Because we can cast them on you. So open our eyes, Lord Jesus, once again, to who you are, your majesty. Show us who you are, Lord Jesus, we ask in your name. Amen.